Our guest today is Julian Drucker. Julian Drucker began his music supervision career at Deep Cut Music under Maggie Phillips, with whom he worked on numerous award-winning series and films, including The Handmaid's Tale, Homecoming, Legion, Isn't It Romantic, and more. At the start of 2019, Julian became the first employee of Yay Team Productions, led by the fabulous Amanda Creek Thomas, where he has been working as a music coordinator on a wide array of critically acclaimed TV and film projects, such as American Horror Story, Pose, Big Mouth, and the movie musical Prom, which we'll be talking about today. Julian has supervised several indie shorts and will be co-music supervisor on season four of 911, which premiered last night, guys. You're getting this hot off the press. Originally from New York City, Julian grew up with two professional string players as parents and has been surrounded by wonderful music from an early age. He studied musical theater composition at Yale and has written music and lyrics for two full-length musicals, both of which have been given workshops and performances in theaters across the country. Julian is an active composer in a variety of genres, writing regularly for pop artists, classical ensembles, and film and video game scores. Welcome to the License Your Music podcast, where I'm here to give you all the tools you need to license your music for film, TV, ads, trailers, and more, so that you can earn passive income and obtain creative freedom. I'm your host, Jody Friedman. Thanks so much for spending some of your time with me today. If you haven't been by our site at licenseyourmusic.com, please come by. We have a ton of free content, including our free guide I put together called How to Get Your Music Heard by Music Supervisors. Julian, what a bio. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Jody. You've been surrounded by music your your whole life, it sounds like, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm um, currently in New York where I grew up. As Jody said, my parents are both uh, professional string players. My dad's a violinist. My mom's a cellist. So I grew up with a lot of classical music, studied classical piano, and uh, also was exposed to rock and roll, R&B early on for my mom specifically. So I kind of got a lot of diverse training as far as just, you know, a music appreciator and then that evolved into my work as a musician. And uh, now I'm sort of back on the appreciating side slash working in music supervision, which is a nice hybrid of playing and composing, but also like listening and and selecting, curating um, and a whole lot more. So it's it's a really good um, sort of background to have. But it's definitely evolved over time. Do you ever get to compose for projects? Not not really the ones I work on. Um, I mean, I do compose for other projects that I, you know, I am the composer on like an indie film here and there and a few other uh, sort of smaller pieces that I'm working on. But those are separate from my music supervision work. I'm fascinated by your, uh, you've written two full length musicals. And can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, so I didn't really, uh, so I, I spoke a bit about my background musically and one thing that was not a part of it was musical theater growing up. I did not care for it. I did not, uh, listen to much of it, uh, from my parents. They, they aren't particularly fans of it. And actually one very divisive moment in my family was when I saw, we all saw hair in central park. Uh, I did like that. Um, so that was maybe the beginning of of my musical theater appreciation. And then when I got to college freshman fall, I signed up for a songwriting course because I, you know, was already writing songs, but pop songs. 
And I kind of expected it to be a pop songwriting course or just generally the craft of songwriting without uh, a genre attached. So I was excited about that class. And then I show up the first day and it's made clear to me that it's a musical theater songwriting class. And I was really bummed out. Um, but I decided to stick with it because I'm like, all right, it's still writing songs for, you know, school credit. So like, might as well do that. And then I ended up really falling in love with, with the idiom of musical theater. And I had to catch up a lot as far as educating myself about it, because a lot of my classmates were total enthusiasts from a young age and were already writing very fluently in that style. I don't think I ever actually really got the, I, I don't write sort of typical musical theater songs, which is one reason why I think I slowed down in that um, in that respect, but I still love musicals. I still, you know, enjoy bringing my musical influences into that genre as a composer. Uh, and it certainly was a great way to, a good background to have for the prom. That's the first musical theater piece that I've worked on um, in years now, and obviously in a different capacity, but it was really a cool homecoming for me. It was such an amazing film. If anybody on here has not seen it, it's on Netflix. Just an amazing concept, the costumes, the acting, the music, the makeup, everything about it was just so well done. The colors on it, it was so beautiful. Can you take us just back to the beginning when prom was first in development? When did they bring your team in and what was that like? Yeah, I think we were brought in around like August of 2019, which feels like so long ago. Um, so a lot of it is a bit of a blur, frankly, but we we started then um, working kind of preliminarily with the music producer, Adam Anders, and his team, whom we continue to work very closely with throughout the whole process, um, just kind of getting all of the songs uh, ready to be recorded by the cast. You know, it was still in development, I guess, or, or in pre-production at that point. And then the songs were recorded prior to shooting. Um, so what well, you're seeing, sorry to Sorry to cut you, but you said getting the songs ready to be recorded. So what was that part like? Just uh, It was like, you know, how closely are these going to resemble the Broadway recordings? Because this is an adaptation of a Broadway musical, uh, recent one. So it's sort of getting a feel for like the creative impulse, whether we're sort of matching what already existed and what might be added. Um, so those creative conversations were starting and then uh, we were shooting at the beginning of December. So we had a few months of that and we started pre-recording those tracks. So what you're seeing in the film is are the actors lip syncing along to these pre-recorded uh, tracks that we created. So a lot of those recording sessions happened in advance of December when the shoot started, but a lot of it was like almost concurrent. So like we would continue recording throughout like January, February, March, as the shoot continued, you know, maybe just like a few days or a week in advance of that scene shooting. So we'd get the, we would get the track ready, like last minute. And as far as my role in that, like I wasn't producing the music, but we were very actively involved in all of the logistics to make sure everything happened very smoothly. So yeah. Amazing. I'm just curious, did you get to meet Meryl or Nicole or, yeah? Yeah, I did. Um, I So Amanda was there for like almost all of the recording sessions, almost every day on set, every day that the, there was musical 
numbers happening. Um, I was much more behind the scenes, certainly, but like I did get to go in to the recording studio several times to set a few times. So I met most of the stars. I got to hang out with James Corden and Andrew Rannells in the studio while they recorded some of their songs. That was a real, uh, really awesome part of it because it's such a incredible cast. So uh, that was definitely one of the highlights. And um, they're all really kind people from what I can tell. And, you know, they did great work. So let's talk about the business side of it for a minute. What was the clearance part like with the songs that are coming from an adapted musical? Yeah. How did that go about? So that's not something that we actually were quite involved in. We um, sort of inherited the project after all of those deals were made. Those are kind of like the grand rights for the musical, um, which Netflix handled in advance. So I don't, I don't really have that much information about that, but then everything was pre-cleared. Like all of the original numbers were pre-cleared to use. So we didn't have to worry about clearing like all of the musical theater numbers. There were other songs in the film, like, you know, source music and stuff that we did source ourselves and clear, you know, and work with the, the EPs, director, um, producers on selecting those songs. But that was a little more of like a side piece to the, bulk of the work with the actual musical theater numbers than you'd find in most non-musical films like the song selection and the clearance is kind of the bread and butter of what a music supervisor is doing and this one it's a little different yeah yeah so when they were on set and lip syncing to the song and shooting you were there sometimes on set monitoring things making sure what, what was your role on the set or was it just, Hey, you should come check yeah, this out. Um, it know, was a little be... more of that, frankly, for me, like I, you know, I wanted to see it in action a couple times. And like, I, when I was there, I was watching the monitors um, and taking notes on lip sync. So like if um, Meryl took a little too long uh, to close her mouth on a word, like I, I wouldn't be the one telling her directly, um, but I would relay that note through the proper channels so that it would reach her. Um, and that's something Amanda was doing like pretty much every time on set too. So yeah, that was our main job like while we were there um, on set and all of that other work kind of preceded it. But that was like the most exciting like day of work that we got to do. That's so cool. So yeah. for, for everyone watching this, I mean, that role is comparable to there's a person usually on the film set who does continuity. So when they cut a scene, they make sure, you know, if that person has a cup in their right hand and they say cut, they take a note, it was in the right hand. So when they say action, they don't have it in their left hand. So these little, little details are super important when when filming a scene for something. So to, to be uh, managing that, I think is extremely important. And I wanna also touch on what grand rights are. Can you explain to, are you familiar with grand rights? I, I know a little bit about them. Yeah, oh, I mean, I've definitely dealt with them in other contexts as well. Um, but basically, the grand rights for uh, a musical or, say, a film that pre-exists the project that we're working on. Like, you know, if we were to use, a, uh, if we were to reference the non-musical elements of another pre-existing film uh, or musical, so like in this case, the prom Broadway musical, but, you know, say... As an, another example, um, in a if if the prom movie were to make like undeniable reference to uh, a yet another pre-existing film, we would have to 
clear whatever the musical selection is from that film that we're using. And in addition, we would have to clear the non-musical references from that film. Um, maybe I'm convoluting it a little bit, but just to, like in the case of the prom, what that was, was the original Broadway musical. We had to, Netflix had to acquire the grand rights to use all of the music and non-musical elements from, from that show in this film. Like so, dance choreography and dance choreography yeah. costumes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting piece that music supervisors aren't that, that, that they have to deal with that might be sort of extra musical in some cases. Yeah. It doesn't come up often, but I've, I've definitely um, had to speak with uh, Warner about it at one point for a project that was, in, in community theater, they wanted to license some music. So I had to call them and talk to them about grand rights. So when, you know, everyone watching, when you're licensing your music, there's TV rights, there's theatrical rights, there's DVD rights. Grand rights is just, it's the, everything Julian just explained, but an overall picture of it is the, the musical rights. It's the rights to, you know, use this song in a musical, or I guess what I didn't understand is the opposite too. use musical in a film, it sounds like that's also called grand rights, yeah? Yeah, I guess like any pre-existing production that stands separately from the current production um, that you're clearing it for, yeah. we'd have to get grand rights for certain in certain situations. Um, so I'm trying to, like I've worked on, and I'm currently working through other examples of, of this that I can't exactly speak about, but I'm trying to think of one that like has already aired. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically just, uh, it's, it's a little hard to wrap your head around maybe if you haven't dealt with it before, but it's just like, well, like in the prom, actually there's, there's the Godspell cast. If you've seen the movie, there's like the non-equity touring ensemble of Godspell okay. and, and they're singing Godspell songs briefly. So we had to clear the publishing for that. Hmm. But if they had been wearing costumes and prop using props from the, Broadway production of Godspell or a movie version, which I think exists, uh, then we would have had to clear the grand rights in addition to clearing the publishing for those songs. Oh, wow. That's, that's a good example. Yeah. This has been really uh, insightful, Julian. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Let's switch gears and talk about some other projects. Um, before we go to 911, I do want to talk about that, but how about American Horror Story? Is that, uh, I assume it's coming back for another season. They seem to be just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Season 10. Um, so it's ongoing and, and we're starting that now. It's still very early, um, but it was supposed to start right before shooting right before the pandemic uh, or right around the time the pandemic really kicked in. So that obviously paused and now uh, shooting is resuming. There was a little shooting before the holidays and now it's kicking back in. Yeah. You're not looking for music yet for that project, correct? Um, not actively because we don't even have a great handle yet on what it's going to be. We've only seen a few scripts and there's some scripted music that we've, you know, cleared and that we're dealing with on camera stuff. But, you know, the rest is still a little TBD. I know everyone watching wants to know how, what's the best way that you'd recommend an independent artist get their music? to you or to get the biggest frustration that 
my audience has is actually getting heard by music supervisors. They feel like they're pitching to a black hole and they just have no shot of getting actually listened to. Any advice there? Yeah, that is really hard to break through. I feel like um, I would keep, you know, I'd be fairly persistent without being obnoxious, uh, you know, follow up here and there um, with new material, with, um, you know, not a whole essay in your email, but something sort of digestible to, you know, catch our eye. And but beyond that, I would recommend if you're, if you're able to get representation from a, a good sync company. So I'm sure Jody could speak to that, but like, it's a lot easier for us to communicate um, with sync companies that we already know and trust and have built these relationships with than, you know, if we're in a pinch, like not necessarily knowing who you are as an individual, it's, it's harder for us to sort of rely on just using your music, like when we are in an urgent situation. So that's kind of like one big piece of advice is if you're able to uh, partner with a reputable sync company, then um, your music will probably get distributed more widely and you'll be heard much more um, by music supervisors. And that doesn't mean like you shouldn't be sending it yourself too necessarily. It's just, it's a sort of a fast track, I guess. Yeah, ha having representation does not limit you from pitching yourself to supervisors. It just means you, when you get a bite, you say, thank you so much. Let me introduce you to so-and-so and your your agent, your rep, they take over and handle the deal for you, which is their job. They negotiate, they administer. I think that's actually, uh, I think it's a very common misconception about having representation, that that's some sort of limitation that you can no longer pitch yourself. And if you think about, you know, the biggest stars on the planet, like Kanye West, for instance, I guarantee every room he goes into, he's pitching himself, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it applies to everybody. So it's um, just something to keep in mind. It's great, great advice there. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, 911. It just premiered last night. So uh, tell us about that project. What's, what's happening there? Yeah. 911 season four. Um, it's my first, I feel very lucky to be co-supervising it with Amanda. It's kind of my first big credit. It's a really great show. It's, you know, kind of, for those who are unfamiliar, it's about emergency responders set in LA, the fire department, police department, EMTs, people handling a different emergency or often two or three per episode. So there's a lot of variety in it. And it's a network show on Fox. There's a lot of, you know, there's usually about 14 to 20 episodes a season. So it's a good, um, it's a, it's a good body of work. It's really fast paced on my end. Um, the music is all over the place, but but it is a good one as far as pitching your music for, I guess, because it's um, unlike some of my other projects, it's a con it's set in contemporary times. Uh, so there's no restriction on, on the period. Um, there's a lot of sort of pop, indie pop, rock, anthemic stuff. There's a lot of montages, feel good, sort of uplifting things. Uh, each episode has a theme, more or less, that the music typically falls in line with, at least for like a big montage at the end, especially. So it's kind of like hard to know until we see the script what that theme is and hard to pitch for. We certainly like find stuff that we have on file for that show from previous pitches and, and repitch it ourselves. So yeah, it's it's a good show to work on. I'm really 
really happy to be on it. Do you classify songs when you bank them from previous pitches? Do you classify them into certain bins based on theme or how do you find like if it's a, if the theme is lost, someone just died on the show. Yeah. How do you search for that? We usually don't end up classifying it ourselves. Like usually we would ask the licensors if, if we're reaching out for a pitch to do that um, on their own, or uh, that's something that a lot of songwriters, uh, sync companies, whoever's pitching to us do preemptively, which is helpful. Um, sort of tagging different emotions and uh, so that, yeah, if I were ever searching my uh, server for like an emotion that I need, you know, that's not something that I do that frequently, but I have done it and that does help. So yeah, the more tags you can kind of include in your metadata, I think the better. And do you use iTunes for managing content or? Uh, We have Dropbox and Disco. Disco. Everyone loves Disco. If you guys haven't heard of it, check it out. Julian, when you said you don't write typical music theater songs, in which way are they unique? And how does your music supervision searching influence your writing? Hmm, That's a good question. First question, I guess my musical theater compositions definitely like have some R&B in them, which, you know, I was doing before Hamilton, (laughs) but um, it was like kind of the background that I have is like a singer and when I write I'm singing even if it's like for a female character or something like I'm that's sort of the engine for me of, of when I'm writing the, the melody is hearing my own voice on it so I, I think like that was one thing that I encountered teaching the singers in my musicals like it was different because they had to learn how, or if they didn't know they I was trying to help them like do uh, melismas or like riffs that aren't typical in musical theater. And and then like harmonically uh, some of it's kind of dense, like jazz chords, which some musicals definitely have, but um, I think it's the combination that makes it unique. And, and like, I think I'm very happy with it now, but I, I was very critical of myself when I was writing because I sometimes would really try to write sort of more standard musical theater. And it just like wouldn't happen because my, instincts resisted that. And, um, I definitely got a lot of criticism from that, you know, in my workshops and stuff. So yeah, but looking back, I have a positive spin on it and I'm, I'm happy. I kind of followed my voice. And then your second question, um, was how does that influence searching for music as a supervisor? I think it's just like having a well-roundedness and like an ear for various kinds of music is really helpful. Um, and there's definitely areas that I'm lacking in. Like I certainly don't have an expert ear for most kinds of electronic music, reggae, metal. Like a lot of that sounds very similar to me. And I, I don't pick apart the nuanced differences that I would in another genre. So, but that's a great sort of skill set you pick up in supervision is you research a lot of different kinds of music. You get to familiar familiarize yourself more and more with specific genres like if you're working on a show uh that has an emphasis in in something you're not already familiar with that can be a really cool learning experience which sync agencies do you typically go to for music there are so many and like that is a good question because i mean it just depends what we need so oftentimes we are going to like major labels major publishers the usual suspects for recognizable songs for 
more affordable, less recognizable stuff. You know, I have dozens and dozens of companies that I work with very regularly. Um, I know you're probably asking for names of some, um, and, and I don't mean to exclude any by not mentioning them, but uh, I love working with people like um, Mike Jansen at Greater Goods. Jody obviously has a great company. I've worked with him over the years at HD Music Now. Let's see, I, I work with uh, Terrorbird a fair amount, um, Bank Rubber. There's, it's really like an endless list that, um, which which goes to show like there's so much great music out there. Um, but those are some of my faves. Thanks, Julian. Julian, would you mind reminding us what type of songs you're looking for for 911 since that's a current yeah, search? Sure. Um, yeah, so anthemic stuff, like some of the songs we heard today definitely are in the wheelhouse. Um, uh, yeah, just stuff with a, with a good positive message. As I said, it kind of depends on the theme of the episode, but you're pretty safe sending like uplifting anthemic songs in like in, in the pop pop rock, indie rock vein. Um, and then, I so this season I didn't mention, but it, it does take place in our current world, you know, COVID world. So, um, so far, you know, there are scenes that like the, the themes deal with that um, pretty head on. So I think like, you know, if you have songs that you've written about loss, grief, or just like the new way of life, anything like particular to quarantine or, anything like that feels very fresh and like relevant to the current time. Certainly open to hearing stuff like that. So great. Julian, thank you so much for taking time with us today and everyone. Thank you for showing up. Great to see everybody. Thank you, Jody, for having me. Thanks to everyone here for showing up and showing your music. That's, you know, I totally can relate, but that's a vulnerable thing. And, and thanks for listening to, to my feedback and, Appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Bye, Julian. Thanks. Take care. Bye. This was a Zoom panel live event, and that's why we had the opportunity to have a live Q&A. If you'd like to know when these panels happen and would like to participate, please keep up with my website at licenseyourmusic.com and our Facebook group at License Your Music with Jody Friedman. You can also follow us on Instagram at License Your Music and of course our YouTube channel where you'll find all sorts of valuable tips about music licensing among other things. Thanks again for listening. Stay cool. Peace. Peace.